0: Welcome to Not Your Ordinary Parts, a podcast where we talk about hard things associated with the human experience with the goal of increasing awareness, growth, and healing. You may hear information from professionally licensed therapists, life coaches, healers, doctors, etc. This information is not medical advice or therapy and is not meant to replace actual therapy or instructions given by a doctor or a personal therapist. I'm your host, Jalon Johnson. My guest today is Sean McBride, Sean is a licensed professional counselor who has served couples full-time for 21 years. Sean specializes in serving couples who are dating, engaged, married, and men and women who are seeking individual counseling apart from their own relationships. Sean holds a master's degree, has written 22 books, he's officiated over 300 weddings, and has worked with thousands of couples through dating, marital, and relational issues. Sean has helped individuals and couples work through every possible relationship problem imaginable, and he believes that every couple, no matter what the issue may be that they're currently facing, has hope and that every relationship has the potential of improving over time when there is a commitment to put in the necessary work. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being my guest.
1: Uh, Jalan, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me, my brother.
0: I gave a a brief introduction, but so that the audience can get to know you better. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to who and where you are today?
1: Man, I am 49 years old. I am married to my middle school girlfriend. We've been married for now. Uh, we just celebrate 29 years. Uh, we are the parents of five adult children. Uh, I I love helping people, Jalon. I just, people work is my life's work. I love helping people. I love serving people. I actually, believe it or not, got started in counseling back in, 2000, in uh, 2002. I became a pastor of a very small church. And most of my work outside of that, of preaching on Sundays, was in the counseling office helping couples stay together married couples dating couples engaged couples and so uh early on and that was that was shoot 22 years ago early on i realized like man this is a major this is a major need in the community to have a, a safe place for couples to go to talk about their relationship and and work through their relationship. I was doing a lot of premarital counseling back then to help couples uh, make sure that they prepare properly to get married. And so this has been my work for almost 25 years. Uh, Since that time, I've become licensed. Uh, I've gotten additional training. Uh, So I'm licensed in the state of Maryland. Um, uh, But I got literally got clients all over the country and uh, um, I love what I do.
0: Thank you. That, brother. Um, I've, I've looked at a lot of your content and you are very passionate about what you do. And I was super excited to have an opportunity to record with you. So thank you for giving me that opportunity and You're for welcome. being willing to share.
1: You're welcome. Um, My pleasure.
0: Did you see a lot of healthy relationships and people working through hard things model when you were younger? And, and did that influence you to become a counselor and do what you do?
1: um i think I think subconsciously maybe it did once I started to go to college, and especially when I started working on my master's degree I'm taking you back twenty five years yeah um i i, I remember di- doing an assignment while I was working on my master's it's called a um uh i think it's called a geneogram so it's it's similar to a family tree but But instead of tracing, like, family, you're tracing uh, issues within the family. So you're tracing addictions. You're tracing dysfunction. And so I had to interview and talk to aunts and uncles and my grandparents and my parents about stuff. And, bro, doing that assignment for the first time showed me, there was so much dysfunction in my family that I didn't know, I mean, addictions and just so much stuff that I never knew. And it and it's like, wow. And then realizing back then, man, I'm the only one in my immediate family who's graduated from college. I'm the only one in my immediate family who has an advanced degree. And so when I started to explore all that, it it, it really led me to, to, to really doing more research and saying, like, like first, how can I help me with all this stuff? But how can I effectively help other people? So because during that time, I thought about just, you know, my, my parents have been married for 55 years. But during that time, 25 years ago, I I started to think about all of the dysfunction I saw in my own home. And and so, yes, it, it began to influence and direct me towards what would become my life's work. Um, again, starting with helping myself uh, and then helping other people. Yep.
0: Yeah. Wow. Do you think that because you had the opportunity to be the first in all of these different things, it helped you as a father and as a husband to kind of avoid some of the pitfalls that were in your family? Oh,
1: absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, In fact, I've spent, so in addition to my counseling work, shoot, I've spent the majority of my adult life working with teenagers. So back in the nineties, I was a youth minister, you know, working at churches, helping kids. And I I continued that work uh, regardless of what I was doing. I was always involved with helping kids, and I saw, I had a front row seat to the pain teenagers were going through, through the pain parents were going through. Uh, so I've always been sort of a family guy with this front row seat as a minister to the pain that families go through. And part of what what kept me in this space is just a quest for knowledge. How do I help these teenagers? How do I help these families? How do I... I I need skills, I need training, I need resources. They they're coming to me as an expert. Hey, Sean, you know, you're the youth minister. How do you how do you help us here? And so it forced me to study, to research. It forced me, because you can only take people as far as you've gone. And even when our children were young, I was helping families that had you know, children in their 20s, right? And so, uh, and so, yes, uh, part of what helped me to raise a, a, what I call an effective family, a good family, I got a great family, was just seeing the pain from so many other families mm-hmm. and saying, boy, I don't want this for my family. I don't want my kids turning out this way, like, you know, honestly. So, So, yes, that deeply impacted me deeply helped me because as a minister and as a pastor you got a front row seat to all of the stuff that, that that folks are going to and i was never immune you know my wife and i have had to do couples counseling that that's one of the reasons we've been married almost 30 years we've done counseling for 30 years you know we've always been in a counseling office each year checking in checking up learning new skills learning you know we don't get a pass you know, I got to do the same thing that I'm encouraging couples to do as a as a husband. I got to do the same thing I'm encouraging parents to do as a father. And so we haven't been immune, but we have been committed to the counseling and the therapeutic process. I always say it's hard to see the picture when you're in the frame. So you need somebody outside the frame that can look into your story and that can point out uh things that you might not be able to see those blind spots
0: wow thank you for that man um yeah thank you for being willing to admit that you know you it does take work and that it counseling is is important because i think for the most part a lot of us and and i saw this a lot growing up and i'm not immune to it either like we we want to show the world that we have it all together we you know, we, we go out and we perform almost in public to, yeah. to make people believe that everything is good. But, you know, behind closed doors, then we may be struggling. Like you said, you know, you, yeah. until until you did that assignment, you didn't realize what was going on in your family. So
1: yeah. I think it's yeah. important
0: to have these hard conversations and it's important to dig deep and get yes. to these root causes. So yeah. thank you for you, sharing. You know,
1: you know Jalan, people, what I've learned about people, People don't connect with you at your point of strength. People connect with you at your point of weakness. It's it's easy to talk about how strong we are, how good we are, how we No, no. We gotta we gotta become vulnerable. Hmm. We have to become transparent. I I I really learned this, believe it or not, Jalan, not working with adults teenagers taught me this because for years as a youth minister serving these kids like you know teenagers will keep it real with you if if my sermon sucked they would tell me hey bro that that was a that was a sucky sermon <laughs> you know, like like we don't even care, <laughs> you know and I was forced to figure out how do you connect with teenagers how do you get it across like you gotta become vulnerable. You gotta become transparent. And it was when I started to share stories from my own life. When you know, July, I was when I was a teenager, I was in pharmaceutical sales. And I'm not talking about CVS, I'm not talking about Walgreens. It was illegal pharmaceutical sales. You know, the stuff they do in Philadelphia, Miami, where, where you're from. Like, hey, hey. So, so I was I was a I was a drug dealer, man. And yeah. I made a lot of mistakes. I spent time in boys' village and in, in boys' programs to try to rehabilitate me and dysfunctional family. But when when I started working with these kids, man, and realized I was so effective because now kids could relate to me, not with my strengths, but they could relate to my weaknesses. They could relate to my own challenges and struggles and and early on, I learned the value of being transparent and being vulnerable and listen i'm not Superman you know i, I I'll open up my shirt hey here's an s on my chest but, but I got issues with kryptonite. hello <laughs> you know and 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 so you gotta you gotta be to in order to connect with people and 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 to really get through to people, you got to start at points of weaknesses, not at points of strength. So
0: I appreciate you sharing that so much. And I think for me to hear a grown man saying the things that you just said, it, it resonated with my inner child so much because I didn't have a lot of adults saying these things. It was, you got to be strong.
1: Oh, my Lord. Yeah
0: there was strength yeah. and suppression or the, the, the more you could carry without breaking, you know, that, yeah. that was the model. So yeah. I, I appreciate you saying oh, that my and, and doing this so much.
1: Yeah. Because Jalan, you know, man, as kids, if, if, if you go through trauma as a child, let's <laughs> say, let's say zero to 10 and you may have seen some of my videos on this. If, you know, if you go through trauma, whatever kind of trauma it is, zero to 10, that doesn't just go away because you're 30. That 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 The effects of that, the ramifications just doesn't go away because you're 40. I, I'll never forget several years ago talking to a man that was 70. And Jalan, he was telling me about some experiences he went through as a little boy, some of the things he went through at home some of the things his mom would say, some of the things his stepdad would say. I mean, some of the most gross, detestable words that a child would ever hear. And he's 70 years old. And I'll never forget, he grabbed me and he cried on my shoulder like a little eight-year-old boy. Because he was was 70 years old, Jalon, and still dealing with that trauma and that pain that, that he went through because it was never dealt with. Right. He had never done counseling to kind of work through. You know, we act the way we act a lot of time as grown men, as grown women, because some stuff happened to you. That's why in one of my videos that, that went viral, I said, never say to your partner, what's wrong with you? Ask your partner, what happened to you? Because when you can find out what happened to your partner, when you can find out what they went through, when you can find out the pain, the trauma as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, then it makes sense in many ways why they're acting the way they're acting at 40 and 50. And I don't want to make excuses for people. People act the way they act. But as a counselor and a therapist, part of our job is to figure out why, is to figure out what happened, what what, kind of, it's a cause and effect. And the better we can do that, I think the better we can serve people and help people work through just, just a lot of t- tragic stuff. I remember talking to a guy in his 30s, a uh, Jalon, and he said, Sean, he was said, Sean, I was recently trying to install a ceiling fan in my house. And he said, I was having a hard time hanging it, putting it up. And, and he said, in my ears, I kept hearing my dad say to me, you're no good. You can't do anything right. You're dumb. You're not intelligent. You're not smart. Anybody should, he said he's in his thirties, but he's going back. He he, he keeps hearing his dad's voice in his head that you're not good enough. You're, you're, You're not smart enough. And he says, why am I dealing with this as a grown man? That's part of the pain that's been undealt with and unresolved while 30-year-old men, 50-year-old men, 70-year-old men still feel the way they do about things.
0: Well, trauma leaves clues. And I think yes. behavior is one of the biggest. Yes. One of the biggest. Yes. Um, so thank you for sharing those experiences as well. Yes. Um, one thing I wanted to get into is is something that you specialize in, and that's working with couples. And yes. Some of the things that you have posted have... <laughs> I mean, it it gets to the heart of the matter, and I love yeah. that you're you don't you leave nothing nothing behind. Um, yeah. So something I wanted to ask you is, a lot of people seem like they have everything together, but what we just talked about, you know, with trauma and yeah. things that go unresolved, until they have to be vulnerable, or until yes. intimacy is something that they have to face. Yes. Why is it that you think? Vulnerability and intimacy can bring out so much in relationships.
1: Man, intimacy into me, I see. By the way, the videos that are going viral, let me give you some context to the ones that are going viral and creating controversy. In July and August, for the first time, I offered a free class to couples on communication and conflict resolution. Those classes each month lasted three hours. So a lot of those clips were pulled from those classes. So they're hearing 30 seconds, 60 seconds of a three-hour class. So I'm responding to questions. (laughs) I'm responding. And and one of my sons is really good with social media and video clips. So he'll pull some of that stuff. Little did I know that some of that stuff would become controversial. But Jalon, here's the deal. While I love couples work, what I know is that sometimes, yes, we got to work with couples on helping them to get along better. But a lot of this stuff is not couples issues. It's individual issues. Jalan, men are broken. Women are broken. And then they get together because we're in love and we want to be together. And the longer you're together with that person, the real you starts to come out, right? And so couples are trying to be intimate and trying to have a good, healthy marriage, a good, healthy dating relationship and engagement. But the more and more they're together, what they're beginning to realize is, damn, I need some individual work. I need, I need, I often say a healthy me leads to a healthy we. The problem is couples are not doing the individual work that will lead to a better relationship. And so that's that's part of the challenges I see. I don't know if I answered your question, but that's, that's kind of some of the things that I see.
0: No, you did. You did for sure. Um, I think one of the uh, posts that I saw was for sure from that class. And, oh, man, it was, one of my friends why, sent it to me. Why men cheat? Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but um, so- I, I think
1: I looked last week that that video, I, a million and a half <laughs> views, thirty thousand shares, thousands of likes, yeah. tens of thousands of comments. <laughs> that wasn't my intention <laughs> to to go viral. I, you know, I, I try to be balanced in my content, but here we are. I probably would have never met you if that wouldn't have went viral. <laughs>
0: It was a hot topic. Um, it was a hot topic, and and you posted about why men cheat, and it for sure yes. ruffled some feathers. Um, yes, you said he's cheating because the other woman has created a safe emotional yep. space. Yes, please explain what you
1: meant. Okay, about. so Jalan, in fairness, uh, you know that that was a sixty second clip of a broader conversation. I right. said in the clip cheating is not right. (laughs) I'm just trying to explain some of the things I'm hearing from men. So I wrote a little book several months ago called 11 Most Common Reasons. So in that moment, I'm trying to explain, here is one of the reasons that I hear as a therapist from men as to why they've made that decision. I'm not saying it's right. There are other reasons, but here is one. And what men are saying is privately in the therapy office, listen, I got connected to Barbara, to Shirley, to Susan, to Lakeisha, to whoever, because of how she made me feel. Uh, Because I'm trying to help guys understand, okay, how did you get in that mess? How did you get, how, how did that happen? And when they start to explain, you know, I feel rejected at home. I feel neglected at home, um, and I, I, I got into this relationship with this female, and the way that she made me feel, like I could let my hair down, like I wasn't being judged, I wasn't being condemned, um, I, I wasn't being told how I'm a no good this, how I'm a no good that, every every time I go home, I hear you, a- I don't know if I can curse on this, but I'm just telling you, what it, you may have to edit it out, but you know, God saying, Sean, I, I'm hearing every day, and all this and that. And so, out of their pain, I'm trying to help them make sense. Okay, what happened? How did it happen? How did you get there? And in many cases, Jalon, whether women want to admit it or not, they push their man away because they don't create a safe space. Men say, Sean, I can't talk to her. She doesn't listen to me. I, Jalen, I was literally with a couple this past Saturday night in a three hour intensive. And when we got to the root of his pain, the root of his pain, he says, Sean, she doesn't hear me. I can't talk to her because when I try to talk to her, I'm judged. The, the reason that I talk to these side chicks, these other chicks is because it's comfortability. It's, it's, you know, it's, and in many cases, these guys are not having sex with these women but they've they've created this emotional attachment that they cannot unfortunately find in their primary relationship. I I teach couples in my counseling office, you wanna create a safe space in your relationship. The safest space in a relationship to talk about pain, to talk about issues is in your relationship or in a therapist's office. You shouldn't be talking about your business with parents and friends and all of that So, Jelan, that was the context. Men decide to cheat because of what they're getting. And by the way, by the way, if you look at why women cheat, it's the same dynamic. But they're cheating because they started to have conversations with Bob. And and Bob started to listen to them. And Bob made them feel secure. And, and, And Bob was affectionate. And so there was some safety created. Emotionally, and so she gave in. One of probably a thousand reasons that people cheat, but that was one of the one of the many reasons I was trying to communicate what I hear as to why men cheat. Mm-hmm. So that's the long answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was a good answer though, and I, I think head. that
0: I think that anybody seeing just that short clip, yes. you know, people who may have a little bit of you know, have done some work or have yeah. uh, a heightened emotional intelligence may be able to to pause and think about it. But I think a lot of people may hear it and just be like, you know, well, yeah, I can't believe he said that. Or, or I can't believe he, he said that. Yeah. Is okay or, you know, whatever. But, yeah. thank you, for explaining but, but you know, that.
1: but, you know, we're in a world of sound bites, right? Like you only got so much time to say I think TikTok is three minutes. You know, even some of my longer videos are still controversial because I tried to explain in three minutes. You know what I heard in a counseling session that was three hours. Right. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's hard to do. It's hard
0: to it's do. It's hard
1: to do. It's hard to do.
0: Um, in your opinion, what is? The- hopefully,
1: this will go viral. Hopefully, this response <laughs> will go viral because of, because of your podcast.
0: <laughs> <I> oh, <hope> so. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask you, in your your opinion, what is the difference between sympathy and empathy? And how does your analogy of get in the pool show the difference?
1: Yes. So sympathy, uh, let me start with compassion, because that's really the first. Compassion says, I see you. I notice you. I'm paying attention to you. So it all starts with compassion for your partner. I notice you. I see you. I see what's going on. Compassion moves to sympathy where a person is drowning in the pool and sympathy simply says, I care. That's what sympathy says. I care about you drowning. I care about your struggle. And not only do I care, here's a life preserver. Here's a life vest so that you won't drown, okay? So you're standing at the edge of the pool, compassion, I see you, sympathy, I care, Here's a life preserver to try to change the situation, which is, which is good. But if you want to go deeper from compassion to sympathy, empathy says, I'm diving in the pool. Mm-hmm. Empathy says, I want to feel what you feel. I want to experience you seeing things from your vantage point. Because if you're outside the pool looking into them drowning, you see it one way when you dive in the pool and now want to rescue them and want to save them. Now you can see things from their vantage point. Now the water is getting in your lungs. Now you're scared. You know, now empathy is very risky because when you choose to be empathetic, if you get lost in that, it can be a game changer. So it's risky, but it's, it's the highest level. I think of a person, really feeling understood empathy they get it boom they understand it boom they 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 know what the pain feels like cuz they're in the pool with me so i think in relationships if couples can learn these very basic foundational principles of compassion sympathy and empathy they can get along Jelon, so much better so much better
0: Wow, I love that analogy. Um, because if you can feel what someone is feeling, it changes everything. You know, it's yes. it's one thing to say, "Oh man," you know. So, for instance, yes, when my when my father died, yes. I realized that telling people I'm sorry for your loss, yes, was trash.
1: Right, trash. right. Because it right. did
0: nothing when when my father died and I understood what people were feeling, I reached back out to so many people and I said, you know what? I didn't do enough. There Um, you go. Now that I understand what this feels like, this is a tremendous loss and this pain is unbearable. And I wish I was able to do more at the moment where you were feeling.
1: And, and, and Jelan, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of not being able to resolve conflict as a couple, sometimes one of the parties or both of the parties for that matter, they just want a little empathy. They just want a little sympathy. Like, do you do you even care about my tears? Do, do, do you even care about what happened, about the story I just told you? And unfortunately, what I'm seeing in relationships daily is that most couples lack The basic, foundational, fundamental skills of compassion, sympathy, and empathy. And many reasons, because one of the reasons, because they never got it themselves. They go from toxic relationship to toxic relationship, and they don't know how. Most couples don't have the skills to resolve conflict. They don't have the tools to resolve conflict. So That's why I often say love is not enough. You can love each other. You can have that love. Because love is not even a feeling. It's a choice. So part of my strategy is teaching couples, here's how you show empathy. Here's how you show empathy. Here's some tools on showing compassion so you can ultimately get along better and be happy in that relationship.
0: Wow. I feel like I could listen to you
1: all day long, I bless day. you, man. You're so kind. You're so kind, um, man.
0: Well, I mean, I, I had so many questions that I wanted to ask, but I know you told me that you have one hour and your wife is waiting for food. So. But we, got, we
1: got to do this again, though. I, I, we got, we definitely got to do this again, for sure. For sure. I'm
0: down, for sure. Let me ask you um, one last question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If, if you could use your platform to encourage anyone who might be struggling with their relationship or on the fence about talking to somebody, what would you say?
1: Boy, um, we all need, as human beings, Jalan, people in our lives that can give us perspective. We all need perspective. As I mentioned earlier, it's hard to see the picture when you're in the frame, whether you're an individual, whether you're a couple. You need somebody outside of your picture, outside of your frame. It, it, I liken it to driving a car that has two side mirrors, a rear view mirror, but getting trying to change lanes and having an accident. With a rear view mirror, two side mirrors, the reason that you can still have an accident is because there's always a small blind spot. There's a certain spot. No matter if you look to the left, look to the right, look to the rearview mirror, you can't see that blind spot. And so, in order to see that blind spot, sometimes you got to have somebody else in the car to say, "Hey, don't make that lane change," or sometimes you got to turn around to try to see it, like in real time, to see there's somebody there. We all have blind spots, my brother. We. Nobody can see it all. Nobody's the fourth person in the Trinity, right? And so we need to get perspective. That's what counseling is. That's what therapy is. Um, get, getting with a professional that can, from a professional standpoint, um, help you see things a little bit differently, that can help you to reframe your emotions. How do you go from um, a, a happiness? I mean, sorry, a sadness to happiness. How do you go from a grief to joy? How do you go from anxiety, uh, from pessimism to optimism? You need somebody to kind of help you reframe that. And so I would encourage anybody, try therapy. Uh, Sometimes just talking things out, (laughs) right? You You know, sometimes people come to me, oh man, thank you so much for helping me, man. You're such a great therapist. And I look at my notes and they talk for 50 minutes. <laughs> like, what did, I, what did I really do, <laughs> right? Mm. You know, uh, we got two ears and one mouth for a reason. We got to listen to people. We got to listen to their pain. We got to listen to their problems. We got to listen to them. Some Sometimes, uh, Jalan, people work through their own steps. Sometimes people solve their own problems just by talking about it in a safe environment where they're not going to be judged. They're not going to be condemned. They're not going to be cursed out. They're not going to be made to feel because you feel this way, there's something wrong with you. And so that's what I would say to that.
0: Thank you for that. That was wonderful. And and I want to tag on a little bit.
1: Yes. I,
0: I know that it was probably very uh, therapeutic for that older gentleman, you said, who was in his 70s
1: yes to come yes, to you and
0: get that out but we don't have to wait until we're 70 to have that moment
1: there so you go there you that's go that's
0: why i encourage therapy so much and even if it's not therapy just like you said just talking because like you said sometimes somebody could talk for 50 minutes or an hour and they just getting it out they they mm-hmm. have a light bulb
1: that goes off yep <laughs> yep. the light bulb goes off i see it going off so often in my office because they're finally in a safe space right where they can talk and share and open up and that's what again the video that went went viral why men cheat why women cheat because for whatever reason one reason is the relationship is no longer emotionally safe and so he or she no longer feels company uh, 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 feels um comfortable going deep or sharing deep emotions and sharing deep feelings because of how they're made to feel afterwards. And so I, I hope that your listening audience uh, will consider therapy, uh, consider counseling, having a healthy uh, outlet to talk to somebody so they can do better. Because when you can get that weight off of you, when you can do better emotionally, you're more productive, you're more optimistic. You got a better outlook on life, you know, so so therapy matters. Therapy works.
0: Sean, thank you so much for this. Um, Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for the work that you've done in order to be able to do the work that you do. Um, Yes. it's, It's been a pleasure. Where where can people find you online and on social media?
1: Great question. My biggest platform is Instagram Couples Counseling Center. Couples Counseling Center. They can find me on Instagram. They can find me on TikTok. Uh, Sean McBride Speaks on TikTok. Sean McBride Speaks. They can go to my website, couplescounselingcenter.org, couplescounselingcenter.org. I am uh, in the D.C. area. So uh, if you're in the D.C. area, we call it the DMV. I can see you in person. If you're outside of the DMV, uh, I can see you virtually. I just had a session last week with a guy in Paris, France. Um, (laughs) I love virtual sessions, man. I can see people all over, no matter where they are. So that's how they reach me, CouplesCounselingCenter.org. And then what about your books? Uh, My books are on Amazon. Uh, Amazon, I've written 22 books, all on Amazon. You can also order those books at uh, CouplesCounselingCenter.org. Just uh, go to Amazon, type in my name, and you'll see all the stuff I've written. If you go to the Counseling Center .org. You can see in my store all of my uh, resources there. And there's a free giveaway on my website. I'm giving away my 20th book for free as an ebook. It's called 52 Date Night Ideas for Busy Couples. Couples that play together, stay together. And so that's what I try to encourage to do. It's a free download, couplescounselingcenter.org. Go to the main page, download the book, and start having some fun with your partner.
0: Gotcha, you, brother. Well again, man. Thank you so much for this. Um I love who you are. I love what you do. The the information that you provide and the resources that you provide are life saving. Um so You're thank welcome. you so much. You're thank welcome. You for your Let's time. do this again. Let's do this again, exactly. my brother.
1: I love okay. it. I love it. Thank you, man.